This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. I'm Billy Grant, and later in the show, I'm going to be joined in the boozer by a few more of the besotted crew, including Laney, Cham, and Savvy B. So, Saturday, we go away to Forest. It's actually normally quite tough to get a podcast out after we've had a game on the Wednesday because we played Bristol City this Wednesday, but we thought it'd be rude if we didn't pull together a mini pod for one of our favourite away trips. So here it is. And in today's show, we're going to listen back to the City and Bees fans after the Bristol City match. We're going to let the fans do the talking because they say it all after the match. You don't need no post-match comments. They say it all about their thoughts on Bristol City and Brentford and how we did in that game. Then we're going to go back to the pub and we're going to discuss the rumoured EFL breakaway league. Whether this is good or whether it's bad for football, I guess you know what our answer will be. And then we're going to look forward to Saturday's match with Forrest. And I'm going to have a wee chat with my Forrest chum, Greg, from Forza Garibaldi. And he's going to give us the lowdown on Forrest and their great start to the season. Don't forget to subscribe to Automatic Downloads from your favourite podcast platform. Also, you can follow Besotted on Twitter and Facebook and all your social platforms. And also, we've got a radio show on Monday, don't forget. Love Sport Radio, 8 till 9 o'clock and DAB. And it's also online and on prideofwest.london straight after the show. But first of all, let's hark back to Wednesday night when Bristol City came down to Griffin Park. And let's hear what the fans had to say after the Bristol City match in the pub. Yeah, man, I'm completely sick of it at the end. We did so well. Beautiful goal by De Silva, goal of the season contender. But towards the end, it's just a small little error. New players coming on the pitch not fully getting integrated into the side because of they're not being part of the thing and we just let it in and it was a poor goal to concede feels like a defeat to be honest Billy yeah I couldn't see them scoring but I agree with that they look like a good team and they look you can see why they're doing well and they had some good players I like the lad they took off but I didn't think they were troubling us at all I wasn't sure we were going to score we got the breakthrough I thought that game was ours to see out and I don't really know why we felt the need to tinker with the formation when we were keeping it pretty solid and unless it was stop Canos getting sent off but to be fair he, he didn't really look like getting sent off we just had one incident and then the formation changed and you had a man unmarked which is a basic error that we haven't made too many at the back in, in, in there we look we look so solid so I agree I think we've thrown away two points there but still plenty of good stuff in it you know we, we look, we're looking better um, but yeah right it's too too close to the end of the game it's a bit disappointing a bit messy coming forwards I think Brentford had the measure of us when we were coming forwards and uh great goal from Brentford we just didn't look organised enough I just don't think we had the, the formation coming forwards just stacking a bit of strength up front probably Brentford's strength up you know in the midfield probably did uh, get the better of us there yeah I'll, I'll be honest my view is that we didn't need to change formation I think we changed formation didn't quite know what our roles were we weren't really under pressure when we changed formation and I think the slip up came from the manager not the defence but it's just my view well you kind of wonder whether the person who put in the assist for their goal should have still been on the on the pitch after that 
Well, that's the first time I've ever seen cage fighting at Griffin Park, to be honest. Yeah, uh, the, bu- the bundle over, you mean? Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't pretty. I thought we should have gone for that. Well, when Sergio Canos and Jack Hunt came and uh, he sent him over the barrier, and I thought that I thought the ref was too lenient there. I think overall the performance was excellent tonight. Which I still think we lack, lack a bit of cutting edge up front. But the goal by Josh De Silva, I mean, that was I was right behind that. What a brilliant strike that was. Well, you've always got to watch Watkins because he's on fire at the moment. I thought the number 12 was excellent. That's Makocho, Kemo Makocho. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Janssen's always a bit of a handful. He's a bit of a bloody nuisance, to be honest. But having said that, he was fairly steady. He didn't give us much in the way of opportunities. I thought your fullbacks raided quite well, given the opportunity. And um, I remember, you know, Brentford have always had good attacking midfield players um, and people like Alan Judge as well you know going back Canos was a little bit in and out today uh, but he's still a threat he's still a threat so you have to be a little bit careful but all in all happy with a point after going behind I thought you were, I thought you were by far the better team and uh, with five minutes to go 1-0 Brentford I thought well, we've had it but then uh, look out look what happened in the last three minutes wasn't it 87 minutes was it the equaliser and it was a good goal in the end the City goal was well taken and yeah I think you were robbed actually <laughs> uh, I think you were fine I, I, I'm sorry I, I'm sorry to offend Bedford fans I was using drab to describe us I thought you guys were fine you guys sort of showed what it meant to be sort of a frantic uh, fast paced championship team I thought your touching and your passes and your interplay was actually very good I mean I've, I must admit I'm pretty ignorant to Brentford this season I've only seen the game away to Barnsley recently and you guys look great albeit Barnsley are a pretty, uh, pretty terrible team um, I thought you guys were the better team I felt almost a bit embarrassed to take uh, two points from you and end up with a, with a one or a draw um, I don't know if it was I guess possibly a fair result maybe you guys should have just shaved it you certainly shaved the, the, the general play and chances Dan Bentley your ex-keeper was the was the busier of the two Raya really didn't get any te- sort of wasn't really tested apart from the insults we were throwing towards him and his mother behind the goal um, no I thought Brentford looked good I'm surprised you guys are so far down I'm sure you'll climb the table it seems a, a, a repetitive thing for Brentford sort of do terrible for their first several games and, and slowly reach their echelons. but I don't know, I, you know we've had lots of great games for Bristol City this season maybe we were just due a, a, a poor performance for once I'm, I'm really still gutted Bill I thought, I thought the game was won uh, I honestly did. I, 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 you know, admittedly, I was watching the clock down from about 25 minutes um, after that wonder goal by Josh De Silva. I honestly think Bristol City were decent, yeah, of course, but they weren't causing us any problems. And um, then he, sw- he swapped some um, Canos for Pinnock, and we're like going, "What's going on?" And I think it confused us, and I think it set a little bit of confusion in the team. I thought Norsgaard was then wandering around trying to explain where everyone should be and I think it, 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 was, a, it was a grain of doubt with Sohn and, uh, you know, I'm not saying it was, you know, I, I just, I thought you would swap like for like at that stage and I, I don't, I'm, I'm confused still. I thought the game was won. I thought we deserved it. You're right, Bristol City were decent but no great shakes. It's a massive missed opportunity. I'm, I'm probably as gutted about that. Winning two games on the trot is something we need to, to do. Going into Forest, and we could have got something out of Forest, and all of a sudden, three out of three. But then we're, you know, we're looking at four points out of the last two games. Isn't awful, but it should have been six. So I mean, like I said, shooting the breeze here, and all sorts of different topics we're talking about. We. We've, we've been talking about light-hearted topics, sort of topics that are fond to our memory. We're talking about people that were close to us. We're talking about all sorts. You know, then we're going to come back to something which is probably a little bit more kind of nuts and bolts EFL football. It's about, you know, what makes football tick or not tick as it is. And we're talking about the EFL and uh, this talk of this breakaway football league or EFL or clubs breaking away from the EFL to form their own league and uh, we were sitting around beforehand because I said we were sitting around for about a couple of hours because we had no idea what we were going to talk about and now we've been rabbiting on for God knows how long which is probably a good thing but we're talking about this breakaway um, EFL football league and we thought tell you something there's certain clubs that would love to break away from the EFL as we know Leeds United you know Aston Villa wanted to do it before um, Wolverhampton Wanderers probably back in the day as well who else is there Derby County of course are desperate to break away from uh, the EFL I mean Sunderland in principle even though they're, they're in Division 1 they're one of those teams as well and uh, 
Fulham, Fulham are absolutely desperate. And the reason why is that they believe that what they bring to the EFL is more than the other clubs and uh, they don't think they're recompensed. The money that they're getting in return is big enough. So they think, tell you something, we need to go somewhere else where we could probably either renegotiate our own deals or go somewhere where actually the money, the pot of money is bigger and we can actually get a pot of money that is bigger. Now, there's a whole different conversation going on there. You know, it's, you know, talking about, you know, whether or not, you know, you, 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 you believe in the, the structure that, you know, in, 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 in 72 clubs, the EFL, you know, 90, 92 clubs in the league, whether or not you believe in that, or like we said beforehand, whether or not you leave, it's just winner takes all. You know, and the fact that Leeds United is the only club in Leeds and the only club within a certain vicinity, you know, and they can get a certain fan base and so they've got a certain economic power that they're a better or bigger than a club like Brentford who have got about 3 million clubs in the same vicinity and we may we work equally as hard and the people within our club may work equally as hard and we play, play equally as good or even better football than some of, a lot of these teams. But at the end of the day, because of all the economics of our club, it makes it more difficult for us to pull in the same finances as them. So the question you ask, what makes us less worthy than a club like that? Whereas if we're producing the same digital content, producing maybe press better PR stories, doing some brilliant marketing, we've got some better players, we're clever, cleverer actually on the, on, on, on the business front than these teams. And that, that takes a lot of time and effort. If we're doing all these things... You know, we, we, we've got in a scarf and doing these things. Our community steam is better than them. What makes us worse than them? Just the fact that they can actually pull in more fans. Now, we're, we're in a very, very unique and very kind of difficult position, if I'm honest with you. Because, you know, if you look at Brentford Football Club over the last five or six years, we're, in, in terms of league finish, we're in the top 30 teams in the country. So we've been in the top 10 of the championship for, for five consecutive years. Um, so, that we're, so we're in the top 30 clubs in the country. Um, if there were to be a breakaway uh, where the, t- the teams in the second tier divvied up the division, would we be invited to be, um, to be part of that second tier Based on our stadium and our history, you would probably want to. You probably have to question whether we would or not. But with a new stadium next year and the way that we are kind of ripping up the stereotypes about Brentford Football Club over the last half decade, decade, um, you would you would hope that we would be very much part of any shake-up. That's not to say it's right. That's not to say it's wrong because. You know, I've grown up with Brentford being in the bottom two divisions and, and, and loving that, not, not loving the fact we were in the bottom two divisions, but loving my football club despite being in the bottom two divisions. So we see things from a slightly different perspective at the moment. But you give it another decade of us being where we are, then I think, I think things slightly move away from this kind of... Um, What's the word? It's not like an honest perspective. It's kind of like this kind of holistic view of football. Um, I think if you if you feel that you've contributed more in quality and um, and the the development of the game, then I think you probably think you're worthy of a place at the top table. So if a ta- if if that top table is 24, I think Brentford deserves to be there uh, on current form. So I mean, so let's talk about Jack here. So I mean, Sav, I'm going to ask you the question. Jack, he's the person who goes, "Oh, oh God, this is so bad. I'm, I'm really not happy with what all these other teams are doing. You know, all these other teams, they they want to break away from us, and, and and it's not fair." Then all of a sudden, the other teams go, "Actually, we want you to join our club." And then all does for me, if that were Brentford, and all of a sudden. We became part of that club where teams deemed us fit enough, um, valuable enough to form part of their club. Would you do, would you feel it's fine to say it's all right, Jack? We're fine, and then just leave everything behind. I mean, what's your thoughts there? I, I think you got it slightly wrong in the fact that it's a breakaway 
from the EFL. I think what it is, it's a breakaway from the EFL, but only to jump into the Premiership. Because I think the idea of muted is the Premiership too. Because to, to break for the Championship to break away from the EFL, they're going to gain zero because they currently got 80% of the TV money that the EFL get. So they're not really going to get any more than that unless they go in with the Premiership. So the idea is to create a Premiership too. Just saying that, which is true, but if they go into the Premier, I'm not really you go to the Premier League or Premier, Premier League, okay, Premier League has got, what's it, six billion or whatever it may be. So if all of a sudden we join that, I'm not being funny, is that the Premier League again, and hold on a second here, we've got another what, we've got another 10 teams here sharing the same money. So how is that going to work? Because all of a sudden is that they're going to be losing out. Uh, yes yes, and no. I think what there's 12 teams in the Premiership that every single season when it starts, they shit themselves because they're really worried about going down. And if they go down, they're just going to get uh, uh, the parachute payments for three years and then they're, they're set adrift. You've seen Leeds down there for God knows how many years. Forest have been down there for a long time. There's a lot of big clubs that think they are too good for the championship, but they can't get out of it. And there's a lot of clubs in the Premiership thinking the other way around as well. Teams like Bournemouth, uh, you know, Palace, Burnley, they could drop out so easily and never come back. So for them, it's important that if they do drop down, there's a Premiership too for them to, to drop into, where they can rebuild keep getting lots and lots of money so they don't have to start from scratch again and then sort of try and build themselves up again and there's a lot of big clubs in the championship that feel that they can live uh, in the premiership as well so i think there's there's what you need to do is persuade the top six to eight teams in the premiership uh, that it would be good for them to spread the wealth a little bit more and and you know so the efl would end up earning uh, what's, what's left of the EFL would end up earning very little from the TV like they do now because the League 2 only gets 12% uh, sorry League 1 gets 12% and League 2 gets 8% of the fees and uh, Championship gets 80 so, so, so the question I'm going to ask then Sav is so okay and, the, and the, I'm coming back to this question about I'm alright Jack so say for example we got into this Premier League 2 I'm just being hypothetical here we got in there we go oh yes brilliant yeah we've got there we've got a little bit more money so what happens to the other teams who get left behind? Say, for example, it's you know, it's your, you know, your, 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 your Reddings and your, 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 your Rotherhams and. Well, whoever's in the Championship at the moment, in theory, becomes uh, Premiership too. So, and you, you, you keep the pyramid. You have to keep the pyramid. You've got to have uh, teams dropping out and teams coming into it. I mean, that goes without without question for me. And uh, you probably still have parachute payments going into League One. So I don't see it as being too, too different. I mean, League, League One and League Two might struggle to get the same amount of TV money, but there's no reason why they couldn't. So in effect, basically what you're saying is that you want the Premier League to basically start negotiating the television deals. Well, yeah, no, the Premiership and the Premiership Two would be one. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So they negotiate the Premier League deals for the EFL at all the championship at the moment now. Yeah, for the championship now because that becomes Premiership. I'm not saying I want this. I'm saying I can see why it's very attractive to teams like Leeds and teams like Bournemouth and you know, so the, the, as I said, the top, the you know, the top say six or seven in the uh, championship and the bottom twelve in the uh, in the Premiership. I can see why it's very attractive for them. I mean, interesting theory there, must have as well. Um, I mean, the flip side of it is, I mean, the fact is that, and we obviously know that the Premier League, there's a lot of money involved in there, hundred million plus for the teams. Okay, whereas uh, the teams in the in the in the Championship, I think they're they're, they're surviving on, and they say what about two and a half, three million pounds TV money each. Now there is a big gap between the two, but the argument I'm going to say is. For me, I mean, the fear is, is the whole thing, because everyone presumes, oh, God, there's so much money flying around. But we know for a fact that, you know, I think TV companies are actually, um, they're tightening. And I don't think that the Premier League actually got the, that much money in their, in their, their you know, the extra money in their, in their new negotiation. I mean, the, the EFL got about 35% increase in their last negotiation. I think what I'm saying here is that I don't know whether or not this whole thing is living a little bit on air. I keep talking about ITV Digital. 
ITV Digital as a company that was putting money into the, the second division, all of a sudden, bang, it went pop. And I'm just sort of sitting there thinking, like, how long can this carry on going for? BT Sport throwing money into the game, hoping to get more people to subscribe to them. Sky putting more money in, getting more people to subscribe to them. It's getting ridiculous. Also, like I said to you, it's the prune effect, where the money's coming in, instead of actually it kind of be going into the game and, the, and these clubs actually trying to become slightly more sustainable and actually sort of kind of doing what they need to do to, 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 to keep things moving, they just keep spending more money. Spending more money on agents, more money on players. So it's ridiculous. So all of a sudden is that you... We get more money in the championship. I personally don't think it's going to get any better because we're ridiculous as it is. They just get more money. They just end up spending more money. The players will just go up in value. Everything will go up in value. The fans will still pay an arm and a leg to go to certain places. And I don't think it's going to get any better because these football clubs don't know how, in general, to manage themselves because they're all fighting against each other to try and get to, like they say, that if they're if they're getting Premier League money or similar to Premier League money, it might not be so bad. But I don't, I still don't think so. I still think that they're 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 spending in in the wrong type of way, and I don't know if that type of activity is going to help, mate. The day they start worrying about you and me is the day it's gone properly pear shapes. They they only care about how many more billion that they can screw out of uh, the satellite companies and the digital um, rights for you know Amazon and for BT and for Sky and for Binwin and all those all those you know Middle East digital channels as well. Yeah, so they, they are proper nose in the trough, big money merchants. That's all that they care about. They don't care about fans and stadiums, really, until the atmosphere starts to go. My, my biggest problem is that I think that Premier, Premier League 2 is inevitable. I think um, the Premier League 1, which will be, they'll use it as a way to... Um, reduce the amount of teams that are in their division so it go from 20 to 18 um, you know we were victims of when it went from 22 to 20 when only one went out of uh, the two two other divisions for for two years on the trot or was it one year on the trot um, and we finished second to Birmingham City and, and didn't go up and Barry Fry still talks about that as one of his best moments ever in his life yeah you know he, he, prob- he probably does and um you know, the fact is, you know, the that they will see recovery from Champions League and um, Europa League competition, as and and the international breaks and um, the England team will make a request for less top-flight games to protect their players. The argument will be made to reduce the top flight from 20 to 18, and then the second tier to be the Premier League two. And then they hope that the, the big clubs that aren't in the second tier, like Sunderland, etc., um, end up being there. Like Portsmouth as well, or I would imagine they would want to be in Premiership too. I just, you know, obviously from a selfish reason, I hope we're in there too. And I think with the new stadium and the way we've progressed over the last decade, we would be. We would. We there would be no question about it. But you know, it just shows you. You know, you you have to. You, you, you cut out evolution at your peril. 15 years ago, there's no way on God's earth we would be considered for the top two divisions in this country. But the fact is that we were allowed to grow and we were allowed to evolve, and we, we're there now. If you, if, you, if you just cut it off, if you nip it in the bud in 2020 or 2021 or 2022, who, who are you stopping develop later on down the line? You know, it's, it's, you know the fact that you're able to go from the top to the bottom in the pyramid and back from the bottom to the top, the ability to do that is what makes our game special. Jam, I'm just going to say, don't you think that this, this, you know, Laney talks about it, he says inevitable, this Premier League 1 and Premier League 2, don't you think that this is the beginning of the end of the football pyramid as we know it and or, or, um, and, and maybe are we getting a bit too rose tinted about it? I mean I love the pyramid and I think it should maintain as it is but are we becoming too rose tinted about it because some people say that a lot of these clubs are unsustainable they, they can't run themselves and that, you know, they're going to run themselves out of business so do you think that maybe you know this is inevitable yeah I, I do think that 
because of the size and stature of some of these uh, championship clubs, especially Leeds, uh, you can chuck Forest in there with the history. They want to be part of that uh, money pot at the top flight. Also, with all these cup competitions and, and, the, and the European uh, competitions that are now being played, and, and the fact that there's four uh, Champion League spots up for grab, they want to reduce that top flight to ensure recovery, especially for those top teams. Now, that will naturally dissolve the organic nature of the pyramid, ski, the pyramid uh, of the football league as well. Um, one of the great stories is Bournemouth going from League Two all the way to the Premier League. That might never happen again. Or if it does, it will be much less likely to happen because they might only have one relegation spot or two. They might just try and alter it. Um, obviously, as, as a club, if it's beneficial for us at this moment, we'll probably take it. Um, more money for us with our system, with our good use of, of an efficiency of our finances compared to most of the other divisions. We'll probably take it. Uh, but in terms of the other leagues and the fact that we, some of our best times were in League One and League Two as a as a club, it is a bit sad. But the same, but then money does money is king at the end of the day in football. And, and money is king. I also think that people power is king. And the question I ask you, Sav, is that okay? You know, he's, um, Cham says I'll take it if I could do. But the fact is that if if you took it and it meant that everything around you was not as good, versus you thought it should be, so things start to fall apart. Things start to become a little bit more. Like say, for example, if they said right, trapdoor, we're just going to have 18 teams in the first division, 18 teams in the second division, no promotion or relegation between two of them. And the rest of them can survive in in Division One and Division Two. Would you would you be happy with that? You you saying that they wouldn't have uh, promotion and relegation between just, the two divisions? I was just using that as an example. I was just using an example about saying you know because the fact is that they say money is key, but all of a sudden sometimes they might put certain rules in. So if they put that, if they if, if we're in a better division. Obviously, the situation around this has got to be right. So we might have lots of money. We might be watching our, uh, our team on TV. They're playing on a Monday night and a Saturday afternoon and a Tuesday evening and stuff like that as well. And we've got money coming and it's really nice. But we're, we're, we're in a 50-team league because, you know, 30 of the teams have gone to a wall and, and, and it's much more difficult for teams to get promoted and relegated, just like they don't do in, in, in America at all. I mean, for me, to me, would it be worthwhile? Um, no, no, not at all. I think you've got to have the <coughs> three up, three down in all divisions. I think that, <coughs> sorry, that's what makes sense to me. And um, and I think the, the the Premier League would uh, would want that as well because, as I said, there's big teams in the Championship that need to get in there, and there's teams that are in the Premiership that aren't uh, that big a draw. You know, your Burnleys, your Bournemouths, etc. So uh, I, th- I think that uh, relegation and promotion would happen. But it has to happen with the uh, EFL, so your League Ones and League Twos as well. I don't think you can cut it off. I would, I would certainly not be in favour of that. But don't forget that there has been a couple of, well, one, one obvious um, good thing about the Premiership is that they've um, capped away tickets at thirty pounds, which we don't currently get in the Championship. So I would like to see, to see, you know, if it does happen, I'd like to see that extended. I'm just going to say just quickly because obviously if you get these two leagues as well a lot of money is going to be siphoned into these two leagues which is going to make it more difficult for the teams in the other two leagues so in effect basically you've, what you've got is that you've got two really strong leagues and then the other team is going to be even more difficult for, for these teams to A survive because basically companies will be putting less money into the, into the lower leagues as well so that's actually going to make these teams lives more difficult isn't it? Yeah I think we probably need a referendum it's what we probably need to, to sort this out, really. Uh, when will that be? Oh, well, at least, uh, uh, yeah, after the election. <laughs> at least one referendum, maybe two referendums to, to sort this out, I would say. Okay, right, so listen, we've, 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 we've sorted out all the problems of the Football League. The EFL is going through all sorts of changes because we've got Rick Parry, who interestingly... That's right, Prince Harry, actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He, uh, he actually was there when the Football League, he was, uh, he was instrumental. I think he was, I think he might be like the chief exec or one of the top bods when the, 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 when, the, when, the, when the Premier League started in 1992. So he was involved in actually uh, trying to make the Premier League happen. And uh, he obviously didn't predict, you know, the future, what, 
what a nightmare the whole thing would be. He didn't put all sorts of things into place. Anyway, since then he's gone on to Liverpool and various other places. And now he's come back and now he's heading up the EFL. He was appointed, I think, today or yesterday. So he's going to appoint a head person in the place of Sean Harvey as well. And then he's going to try and sort out a number of these issues, which is going to be very interesting. First thing he's going to sort out is um, the Leeds United's Corruption. The football league's corrupt, is it? Well, actually, that, that, that's, that's it. He's going to go down to Leeds and say, you know, the football league is corrupt, and we've got nothing to <laughs> got nothing to answer to. And they'll say, that's fair enough, and that's all done. But they so are, they are the um, they, they are the gentlemen of world football, aren't they? Not they didn't they win an award? They won. They actually they won the fair play award. Well, you know, despite Pontus. Yeah, right. So basically, <laughs> what they did is that they won the fair play award for spying. They said, listen, if you listen, it's fair play to you. If you spy on Derby County, that's just fair play to you. So they won the fair play award. And I'd say fair play to Leeds United for that. Um, and well done to the EFL for uh, spotting that because we never noticed it at all. So trip to Forest on Saturday. We like going up to Forest, actually. A good little away day, that. And uh, quite a few bees going up there. We're getting up there very, very early. We're going to go up there and try a few new joints, a few new bars and stuff like that. And people that have been helping us with the reconnaissance of the new bars. It's Greg from the Forza Garibaldi Posse. Greg, how you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. You? Yeah, no, I'm not bad, man. I'm not. I think I recovered from last night. We played played Bristol City last night, and we uh, we threw two points away. So we're all a little bit. <coughs> that, but hopefully for us, we'll be able to make amends on Saturday, which is probably not music to your ears. But listen, Nottingham Forest. Like I said to you, we always enjoy going there. Brentford in general have a good results up at Forest. But I'm saying to you, I mean, it's a new season. Yet again, it's a new manager with Lamucci now yeah. in charge, and he was up at Barnsley on Sunday watching us. How's he shaping up then? Uh, better than we could have ever hoped, to be honest. It all happened so quickly with the old manager. I mean, the old manager leaves his position, and then 18 minutes later, we've got this guy who we've never heard of. So it was a rocky few weeks before the season started, but it was clear that the unknown Lamucci knows knows what he's doing. So far, it's been it's been superb. Like I say, better than we could have ever expected. And, and I mean, just give us a background. Where is he from, and, and has he been any good in anything that he's done? Uh, not really. I mean, he's, I think he got a French side to a Europa League place. Uh, and off the back of my head, I can't remember who it was. Rem. We know this with my French pronunciations of the Rem. And then he, he did a bit of international management. But like I say, he was such the unknown. We found out that he uh, he played against us at the City Ground in the old uh, UEFA Cup in the mid nineties, and and that was it. That was about as far as it went with him. Um, so, so yeah, um, we we were concerned. We thought, God, we got like a, a quick fix on the cheap. But this is the thing. This is the difference with the new regime at Forest. They, they know what they're doing, and they're finding things that you know aren't the obvious that we've done for years and years. Spent money and wasted money. They're they're being clever with the recruitment, and it's paid off with Lamucci so far. I mean, it's interesting you say that's quite similar to Brentford because obviously we've been known for quite a few years or trying to do things a little bit differently. Again, we've gone left field with our head coach or manager, Frank uh, Thomas Frank, who's been in there for yeah. pretty much exactly a year now. And uh, what we're saying is that, you know, not say question marks about him, but now we think when you're a year in, you can actually start to ask questions as to, you know, <clears> how effective he's been as a, as, a, as a manager, as a head coach, what are the positives he's done, what he needs to work on. And, and from us... <clears throat> We've seen ourselves go on these these dodgy little runs. You know, when he started, he'd, he'd lost, I think, 9 out of 10 to start off with. And then he changed it to 5 at the back or 3 at the back, with it, whichever way you want to look at it. And then we improved yeah. last season to play some wicked football. And this season, we lost quite a lot of players, as you probably know. We lost, you know, Neil Malpe, who was a top scorer, 28 goals last season. He went for 20 million. We actually sold £60 million worth of players over two windows, um, which mm. is a, a, a lot of money to, to come in. But we actually also spent 30 million, which is very un-Brentford. But the fact is, actually, we spent half the money that we got in. So the balance is actually still looking quite good. But we bought in 10 players and we've tried to make them gel. Now, I've seen Lamucci. I mean, he's got about 30 players to deal with. Our squad's a lot smaller than that. Um, yeah, we've got like to... 40. Oh, we did. Is it 40? Did 40. Yeah, it was like 46 until we managed to shift a few. Gee whiz. And I'm just wondering, how is he managing to, to do that and to get these players and get them to come in and gel because we seem to have a, a little bit of a problem trying to get them to come in and gel and he's got a much bigger squad. I think from what I heard in pre-season and speaking to people within the club, 
we're signing players, not just what they're like on the pitch. And that's something we I can't remember us ever doing before. It's about the person they are off the pitch now with Forrest as well. And, and you can see that there was there used to always be so many obvious divides in our squads and players doing things they shouldn't be doing. But it just doesn't seem like we're going to make mistakes that, you know, other clubs are very close to us at the minute, which is a complete mess. So, you know, I think with, with our recruitment, we are being clever and they're good players, but they're also good people off the pitch. And it's great to see, you know, they're doing things in the community that we've never done as a club before that I can remember. You know, now you, you walk around town and you think, you know, I'm proud to be a Forest fan here because we're doing stuff that's just, it's not just about football and it's it's materialising on the pitch now. It feels like a bit more of a longer term plan. Although, like you just said, with your head coach, you know, losing nine out of his first ten, I still think with Forest, if that was to happen, our, our coach would be gone. And I do think we need to eventually one day, because Lamucci will have a bad run. It's going to happen. It happens with every team. And we need to realise as a club that bad run is going to be short term and the long term gains will be a lot bigger. And it's interesting. I mean, you, you talk about the the, the the personality of the players and, and then doing things which they meant, you know, off the, off the, um, yeah. off the pitch as well, sort of be ambassadors for the club. And I suppose that yeah, sort of rankles with you a little bit with the Richard Keogh and company scenario yeah. that happened sort of 19 miles or whatever it is down the road at Derby mm. County recently, which uh, they're uh, a little bit all over the place uh, at the moment yeah. now. And it's interesting you say that as well because Brentford have had that theory for about five or six years now where the, the owner in particular is very, very, think it's very, very important that the players should, you know, be, have, have to a certain extent, some sort of education, they should have some sort of manners, um, they should be <clears> certain types of individuals and uh, you know, Thomas Frank even said in one interview in the Art Garden it is that we've got an inverted commas no dickheads policy at Brentford. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I've That's known it, that we, exactly. Yeah, I yeah. know that we, we've had a couple of players that we were, that we were going to sign, which I'm not, obviously not going to mention their names, but I know these players that are going to sign, which we thought, you know, they'll be quite good. But when they looked at the background, they said, tell you something, he might score goals, but not for us yeah. because the background just doesn't work for us. So maybe, like I said to you, there's much more, many more clubs that are actually doing this and realise that it's much more important to have a proper infrastructure and have a proper base to your club rather than just to have players flying in, taking loads of money, doing what they want and then just leaving at the end of the day. Yeah, we've had them Mavericks for so many years, you know, players like Henry Lansby jump out to me, which is a better player than we should have ever signed at the time. And we spent loads of money on him, but it was never going to work because, you know, he thought he was better than the rest. And, you know, a, a, a current example of why I think this project's working at the minute is Lewis Grabber. I'm sure you watched the documentary on Sunderland and he didn't come across very well at all. And I thought when we signed him, yeah, he's, he's a great goal scorer, but he's going to be trouble. But in the environment he's in with Forrest now, it just seems like he's absolutely, he's, he's, you know, he's just going to continue to keep getting better and better. And I think when you've got the odd star player like that, but he's in such a group of people, it's going to benefit us and it, and it is to it. And it's interesting you mentioned Lewis Grabbing because he's actually an ex-Brentford player. And we had him on our books, we got him from Millwall and we signed him up during the Andy Scott era. And then we gave the stage where I think, I think Andy Scott uh, was, was sacked. He left and Brentford had to make a decision as to whether or not we're going to keep Lewis Grabbing or not. We decided to make a decision not to, even though even at that time, which is I think around about 2009, a little bit later than that, his numbers were, were pretty decent because Matthew Benarona was working there in the background and he said his numbers were decent. But we made the decision to drop him and he went off to Rotherham where Andy Scott was ironically and started to score about a million goals in a season. <laughs> so that's... Uh, Typical Brentford, but hey, you know, it's one of those things. So he's a little bit nervous we are whenever we play against Lewis Grabbing because we always feel <laughs> that he's got something that he wants to prove against us. But I mean, you talked about Grabbing, but also this summer he made a fair few signings, and uh, which both mm. permanent and also loanees. And, uh, and there's yeah. also other players on your side. I mean, who are you excited about? I absolutely love Bryce Samba, our goalkeeper. And it was such a shock when we signed him because we've got Murich on loan from Man City, which by all accounts is, is going to be the next up and coming thing. And he had a nightmare start, bless him. And so we signed this Bryce Samba, another player unheard of. Thought, Why have we got another goalie? We've got like four or five on a books. But Forrest obviously saw early on that maybe Murich isn't the player we thought he was. And this guy was here and he's just been brilliant. The, the saves he makes, the way he distributes the play, his, his attitude and, you know, he's, he's on Twitter, he's one of these players on Twitter, but he's absolutely superb on there as well. And 
you just get the feeling with him he's becoming a real cult figure around the fan base um other than him you know we've got some we've got uh, players like Thiago Silva that are coming in uh, he's been playing okay it's like, there's absolutely loads to be honest it's been so hard to to learn the new team and learn the the new squad I know it's still early in the season but I'm still scratching me who's that player and who's this and it's amazing again that the Mooch is managing to make them gel because it's like we've just thrown 30 players into a hat and says get, get on with it which is, uh, you know, which is, which is fair enough, and the fact that they're actually taking up the the mantle and actually doing what he's told is probably probably quite positive for you. I mean, from our yeah. point of view, like I said to you, we've got quite a few new players. Obviously, the most high profile is Pontus Janssen, who we we took yeah. from Leeds, which scratched scratched a lot of heads. A lot of people were scratching it their heads on that one. It was a surprise. I was really surprised, and because I, I've spoke to you in the past, obviously about your your recruitment and especially your selling process, like how thought out it is. I was really surprised that, like, wow, God, you've got this absolute, you know, banger of a player. And I just didn't think that was what Brentford was about, your owner was about. But obviously, he's, uh, he's decided he's worth it. And yeah. he knows better than most. Yeah, well, I think what happens is that we went for a little shift as, this summer where we still buy the unknown players and we go out there for the, sort of the jewels that need to be kind of rubbed up. Um, play, players like uh, Drew Yearwood, who we got from South End. Who we brought him in, yeah. and he's going to be one of our central midfielder at some stage, maybe towards the end of the year. So we bring him in, and we sort of teach him the Brentford way. But at the time, I think mm. they wanted to also get players who are inverted commas match ready because a lot of the players we bring in, it takes us six months or a year or a year and a half to actually kind of get them up to speed because they're still sort of quite a rough jewels. Even Neil Malpay took a whole season before he actually started to real bang the goals in. So I think they thought, mm. you know, we've got we've got a problem with defence. We've always had a problem with defence, even through the Mark Warburton days and even before that. So let's get somebody in who we feel can marshal the defence. He could be a real leader. He's coming. He's a real leader. We brought in a couple of other players, and we have actually shored up our defence, even though we keep on making these silly little mistakes here and there. So mm. we're stronger defensively, and so I think that's the reason why we've done it. So we've mixed and matched and changed our style a little bit to bring in players like that. So we've got him. <clears throat> Interestingly, we've got Raya, who replaced uh, Bentley in goal who's uh, proved to be a, a really handy uh, little goalkeeper as well. So he's a good goalkeeper. We got him from Blackburn. Um, and also, what we'll say to you is as well, we've got Norgard, who uh, in defensive midfield, he put in a question mark about him to start off with, but he started to grow into his game. And we saw in the second half, particularly against Bristol City yesterday, in the second half, he started to really come into his game. So that's quite good. And, uh, mm. and like I said to you, but the players as well, you know, obviously you've got Ollie Watkins, Ben Rama started to come into his game as well. He's been out pretty much since April and he was so-so, but he started to come into his game. So we've got quite a few players who are, who are doing the business. And like I said, we've got this uh, guy called Brian from Trois, as we call him as well. <laughs> we signed him from Trois for £6 million and he's our record signing as well. Again, he's come in, he's a winger. He's a, he's a handy little winger. So we've got so many players who, uh, who are contributing to Brentford. But like I said to you, we're still work in progress. And I think it's going to probably take us about another six weeks to two months to actually really, really, really get up to gear. But I mean, your owner, I mean, Marcanis, um, Mar uh, Marinakis. Marinakis, that's Marinakis yeah. owns Olympiakos, who uh, obviously they finished second last year in the Greek Super League and they're in the Champions League. They played um, Red Star Belgrade, I think it was, uh, a couple of days ago, because my brother in law was in yeah. Belgrade. He flew over to Belgrade to actually watch the match with his mates. Uh, uh, in, in, in a bar over there, so uh, and they beat, they lost actually, but still, obviously, good quality. So he's able to use his European influences to throw it onto Forest. Do you think that this is going to benefit you in the long run? I do. I was very worried at the start because a couple of players went over to Olympiacos and they weren't our top players. But I thought, oh, is this going to be the thing? You know, our stellar signing, our like. Uh, our best player on paper and probably on the pitch is Joe Carvalho. We got from Benfica. He was 12 or 13 million. And I really did worry in the summer, along with Joe Lolly, that, gosh, if we, if they go to Olympiacos, it's a sign of what this ownership's about. But I was completely wrong. They've laid out plans for a fantastic uh, renovated stadium. We've kept all our best players and improved some. Um, so it's only going to benefit Forest if Olympia, I know it's if not start the best, but if Olympiacos do well in the Champions League, I think that benefits Forest as well. And it's a good relationship already. Um, we went over there for a pre-season game and um, I couldn't make it myself, but a lot of my friends went and 
their fans really put on a show for Forest and showed what you know what real support can do for your team. It was incredible by all accounts, and yeah, at the minute it's a good relationship, and he's a successful, not just a successful businessman, but a successful football club owner. Unlike our previous owner, Fawaz, that was an absolute mess. So I've got all confidence in him, to be honest. So, I mean, just correct me if I'm wrong, but you've, you've won, is it six out of seven for the last matches? Um, yeah, we've... Yeah, six out of seven, and, and I'm unbeaten away from home as well, you know? Yeah, three of them, three in a row away from home. A good draw against Blackburn on Tuesday, where we really, really had to fight for a tough, tough game. And, you know, you, you getting that draw last night, I was almost hoping you'd, you'd win to get the win out of the way. It's always one of those things where you think, oh, you don't want them to, to draw and then get the win because you are on a decent run now. You won at the weekend, didn't you? Yes. Oh, and then, yeah, and then um, that last night. So I think it's going to be a really tough game on Saturday. The league table hasn't levelled itself out for the season yet. No one really knows if they're in their proper position. So I'm really nervous about Saturday, but if we get a win going into the international break, it's just such a massive statement that we deserve to be in the position we're in at the minute. Yeah, yeah, and I mean you were even top for for a, for a millisecond as well. I think there was. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, we milked it. We made the most of that. Of course, of course, <laughs> you have to as well. I mean, what's what's just what has made you so difficult to beat this season? Uh, defensively, so we were talking about signings earlier. Uh, Joe Worrell's come back. He went on. Karanka decided he wasn't for him last season, and he went on loan to Rangers. And I thought the academy player that he was going to a massive club like Rangers, playing in big games, he's going to want that. But all last season, you kept hearing snippets of him up there saying, "I, I want to be back at Forest. I want to be club captain at Forest." And he's come in with Michael Dawson, you know, showing him the ways by his side, and he's just been absolutely. He's been a rock. They both have. Um, Dawson's going to be injured for tomorrow, but again, with the depth of our squad, uh, sorry, for Saturday, uh, Figueredo's come in. He came in against Blackburn and did a cracking job. And it's something that we haven't had. I know we all thought, God, how's he going to manage 40-odd players? But it's already benefiting us with our depth that someone as strong and good as Dawson's pulled up with a calf injury and someone's snapped straight, straight into his place in Figueredo. I mean, interesting. I mean, I'm just going to say, right, I mean, Forrest, over the season, you've got your players, you've got your manager, you're doing, you know, some really good things. I mean, to be honest with you, you're doing better than I thought you'd do this season. Yeah. I think, I think you're doing better than yeah. you thought you'd do as well. Oh, definitely. Better than most our fan base. But it is so early, so we're not, we're not being unreal, real, we're not being stupid about it. We know it's a hell of a long season <laughs> yeah so I mean so the thing is that you know when you get to this stage you, and you said you're being really realistic you've got to sort of point out what your strengths and weaknesses are I mean give us give us a couple of strengths and a couple of weaknesses of Forest. Um, well straight away the strength is our defence from the goalkeeper to the to the back four they've been super we're not letting in many goals at all we're keeping clean sheets when we need to um, and the, the one glaring weakness for us is if um, Graben does get injured for a period of time. We're really struggling with backup up top. I mean, we've got another brilliant academy player coming through, Brennan Johnson, who was um, son of David Johnson, uh, well, a long-term player. And he's superb, but he's not ready to play 90 minutes twice a week throughout the whole of winter. Uh, Rafa Murr we've got, who's unproven as such with us yet. He hasn't really done anything. He's been injured. So... That's our biggest weakness for me, that if Graben gets injured, we're really going to struggle up front. Yeah. And for me, I mean, our biggest strength, I think one of our biggest strengths is the fact that we can, we can break really quickly. We're really rapid on the break. And uh, play, when you play the ball around, we play some beautiful football. That is absolutely top of our game. And if Wally Watkins is up front there and scoring goals like he's, he can oh, do. You can, you can score some screamers, can't you? I saw yeah. that one last night. That's right. So we're, we're, you know, we're unbelievable. But on the flip side of it, um, even though we are better defensively, we still do make these silly mistakes defensively. I mean, arguably all teams will say that they do that as well. And yeah. also midfield. Um, to date, we haven't quite been the same midfield as we have. We haven't dominated games like we've had done so far in midfield. And that can get better. And we think that will come with time. So maybe those are the, the, the weakness that we've got at the moment now. But 
Brentford obviously down Saturday, coming down to Forest. Like I said, you've got a patchy record, a so-so record. You know, obviously we won on Sunday. We won two matches away from home so far. You know, sometimes we've broken um, to try and break down dogged defences has been a little bit difficult. I mean, it might change with side Ben Rama coming to his game now. I'm just wondering, how do you think this is going to pan out the weekend? Are you going to try and shut up shop and just try and make us try and break you down or are you just going to come for it and go at us? I honestly think it's going to be a real nail-biter nail for us again, just like Barnsley the other week. That I hope and I think we'll get the result, but it's going to be a real close one, a 1-0 one or a 2-1. Um, we give, we do give away teams a lot of the ball, but we, it's like we like to do that. We're just waiting to get that break and off we go. It seems to be how we're playing this season. So, yeah, I think expect a lot of the ball and expect a real close game, but hopefully for our side, we'll get those vital three points that we need in one. And, I, and I've noticed that as well. You do give the ball away a lot, which may play into our hands because we, uh, well, just might play into our hands because... Uh, you know, it might find it a little bit more difficult when teams don't give you the ball so much. I mean, Bristol City, yeah. we actually, well, we had a lot of the ball ourselves. They didn't necessarily give it to us. We just had it a lot, especially in the first half. I think it looked like we had about 80% of the possession. It was ridiculous, <laughs> uh, you know, but this might play into our hands. And we just have to see whether or not our defence is going to be sturdy enough to hold up to the breaks and attack. Because that's, it seems to be the way that you play, even like away at Leeds United, you, 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 mm. you held out, you held out, you held out, then bang, you got in there, you really frustrated them. So, uh, so fingers crossed, you know, we'll see. It should be a good game on Saturday. Yeah. We'll have a uh, we'll have a beer after whatever, I'm sure. Well that's right. A few beers beforehand, a few beers afterwards. We've got it all lined up. <laughs> Just let's say, um, quickly, score prediction. I can say one nil to Forest. Okay, you've gone tight. And I think I'm gonna go two one to the mighty, mighty bees. So Greg, great chatting to you. And uh, listen, I'm gonna catch up with you and Mr. Daw and all your people on Saturday. It's gonna be a good little drink up I think we're going to have before and after yeah, the match definitely mate definitely right catch up with you soon yeah cheers mate see you Saturday so thanks for listening we'll be at the match on Saturday follow us on Besotted Twitter for live match updates also we'll have a post match podcast on Saturday from the pub We'll be chatting to Forest fans and Brentford fans about that result. And don't forget to check our radio show on Monday, Love Sport Radio, 8 till 9 o'clock, on DAB and online, and on prideofwest.london straight afterwards. I'm really looking forward to having a good day out and not win or lose, as they say, we're on the booze. We're looking forward to seeing Greg and Mr. Dora and Dave and Dave and all the bees that are going to be up there in the pub um, in Nottingham. It's going to be a great day out, whatever. I'm here on my own. But as I say, we always say this at the end of our podcasts. Come on, you bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.